we've been able, in partnership with a business like Nando's, for example, to be very deliberate about procuring agricultural inputs uh, for our signature peri-peri out of Southern Africa, but not just thinking about, well, let's procure our own tins out of, out of smallholder farmers in Africa, but let's use that procurement lever to then be able to be an influencer and a catalyst in that whole marketplace. Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button if you haven't already and please share widely with others as well. It makes a huge difference indeed. Today, it's a pleasure to welcome Nicola Golumbic onto the Do One Better podcast. Nicola is the executive director of Yellowwoods. Uh, Yellowwoods are an investment firm, and I would describe them more accurately as a business builder. They own some very high-profile companies, including the restaurant chain Nando's, which is extremely well-known here in the UK and many other countries as well. And today, we'll be talking about Yellowwoods' approach to ESG and sustainability. You know, being a passive investor, being a passive ESG investor isn't enough. Uh, they're really keen on rolling up their sleeves to drive forward impact in a range of ways. And so we'll explore how Yellowwoods instills ESG within its portfolio companies and how each one of these companies drives forward impact and ESG within their respective industries. And we'll also look at how this a lot of cross-pollination of ideas and expertise across the various investee companies that they're involved with. Now, before we kick things off, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thanks to our sponsors, Quilt AI. Quilt AI is an artificial intelligence-powered consumer insights and market research platform. They currently work with approximately 100 clients, ranging from large corporates such as Coca-Cola, Unilever, and Visa, to technology companies such as Twitter and Amazon, and large philanthropic organizations such as the Gates Foundation, the World Bank, Girl Effect, the UN, and Children's Investment Fund Foundation. With 6 million data sources and hundreds of AI models, they're able to answer any consumer or beneficiary research problem across more than 90 countries. And in 2019, their mission-based technology approach led The Economist to calling them an AI for good company. So do check them out at quilt.ai. Without further ado, Nicola, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Hi, Alberto. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Tell us a little bit about uh, Yellowwoods. What's it all about? Where are you based? So Yellowwoods is a Europe-based um, investment firm, but we have uh, most of our businesses based in, in Southern Africa uh, and across the African continent, as well as in Australia and the UK. And uh, all the businesses were born in South Africa, and uh, many of them now global multinationals. I think that's something to be proud of in itself. Um, but really, um, the important thing about Yellowwoods is that it's a business driven by purpose, and that purpose um, is to is to grow businesses and people, uh, to act in ways that make us proud, and uh, to be a catalyst for significant and enduring positive change. So, no small feat uh, in that business purpose, and we kind of you know have the ambition to live that purpose every day. Excellent. Now, as we touched on a little bit at the start of the show. Your portfolio is quite broad, right? You're not just involved in one sector. Give us a little bit of a feel for the sectors that you are engaged in. 
So our businesses are uh, predominantly in two sectors, and that's uh, insurance on the one hand and, and sort of broader financial services, as well as restaurants and hospitality. And uh, they're, you know, an unusual mix, uh, but that also gives us the opportunity to, um, to leverage capabilities and networks um, and, uh, and investments, uh, you know, across quite diverse uh, businesses and diverse geographies. And uh, that also means that uh, we can combine and use all of those for our impact work as well. And a lot of the companies that you're and that you you own in your portfolio, they're very high um, high profile organizations. I mean, Nando's at least here in the UK is a household name. Exactly, and uh, that famous peri peri chicken, uh, you know, stands us in good stead in lots of ways. We're, we're very proud of Nando's. Mm. Tell us a little bit about why um, why you guys want to do good in the world. Well, I mean, I think firstly, uh, you know, Yellowwoods is a is a private holding company takes a, a long intergenerational view on value. And having built businesses in South Africa, um, you know, a country where uh, many of us, you know, fought for the principles of of equality um, and 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 a more inclusive economy, um, just profoundly influenced by those values um, of of knowing that. You know, the world only works and our business only works and our societies only work if, um, you know, if they are inclusive and if, if all the people that live in our societies and the people in our markets are able to share in the, in the value created, share in the benefits of, of the development and, and, and industry and uh, progress that's happening. So I think a very sort of deep values-based approach to a more inclusive economy and, and of course, um, a sustainable economy, sustainable societies and sustainable business. And that requires us to be very focused on ecological sustainability as well as inclusion. Mm. I know when you and I spoke a while back, uh, one of the things that resonated with me, you said, you know, yes, yeah, ESG is important and the sustainability agenda is important, but passive investment itself on its own isn't good enough. You know, we sort of need to roll up our sleeves and be proactive to drive forward this change. Um, what does that look like in practice then? So what's the difference between saying, yeah, we're going to do good and here's a strategy document versus we're going to roll up our sleeves? So I think the first difference is that we, we recognize that, um, you, you know, as a team, we spend a lot of time thinking hard at a holdings level as well as with the executives of our businesses about how the actual core value chains of our businesses um, as well as our capabilities and our resources that we're generating and our networks that we have are actually the platforms for driving the change that we need uh, to make the markets in which we operate more inclusive or to change or improve the social systems um, that uh, need to deliver services to citizens. So we're really looking through our core businesses um, to find those opportunities uh, to really scale and, and leverage change. And so some examples are obviously, first, first of all, through our um, procurement, for example, where I mean, we, we've been able, in partnership with a business like Nando's, for example, to be very deliberate about procuring agricultural inputs uh, for our signature peri-peri out of Southern Africa, but not just thinking about, well, let's procure our own chilies out of, out of smallholder farmers in Africa, but let's use that procurement lever 
to then be able to be an influencer and a catalyst in that whole marketplace, right? So can we work in that broader ecosystem to ensure that not only do those smallholder farmers uh, receive, um, you know, procurement offtake from us, but actually generate sustainable livelihoods? Can we, can we bring in other offtakers to grow the market of, of those um, smallholder farmers, to grow the number of smallholder farmers able to access this export market and actually grow a competitive spice market in sub-Saharan Africa? So it's constantly using a lever that we have, something that we can directly control and do as a catalyst for a bigger uh, and more uh, significant and enduring change uh, in the market. Um, another example is through employment practices. Several of our uh, insurance uh, and restaurant businesses in, in South Africa about uh, 10 years ago committed to not just changing their own, uh, sort of reflecting on and changing their own employment practices to be more inclusive, particularly of young people from poor families in South Africa who were locked out of the economy. Uh, and to be able to give them their first-time work opportunities. But in designing the solution, these, these um, six firms that are, we're invested in didn't take the view of let's solve the problem just for ourselves, let us be a better employer, but rather while we're solving the problems for ourselves, can we, can we create the solutions that can work across the whole labour market so that the whole labour market becomes more inclusive, so that other employers have a solution they can use um, to employ inclusively and for us to break the cycle um, of, of economic exclusion for, for young people in South Africa. And out of that initiative, the, the initiative taken by our, our six businesses evolved what is now globally a well-known uh, social initiative called the Harambi Youth Employment Accelerator hundreds of employers have, have benefited from that inclusive employment solution. But more importantly, it actually has shifted the whole architecture of our labour market and has been adopted recently by as part of a presidential youth employment intervention. So there's an example of businesses doing something that solves a pain point and opportunity in the business to, to operate more inclusively, but actually is creating or can deliberately create a solution for, for the market and for society as a whole. As our businesses and, and our group moves towards our, our net zero targets, um, again, being quite deliberate about the fact that we are conscious at the moment uh, while we uh, devise our own strategies for, re for reduction, of our own footprints, as well as for offsetting our carbon, that we can have a make a significant contribution if we can ensure that we buy, for example, our carbon offsets out of Africa, but also encourage others to do so. At the moment, uh, Africa only benefits about 10% of the voluntary carbon offset market and yet has some of the greatest um, opportunity uh, globally to actually be, you know, a solution for, uh, for regenerative agriculture, for, for nature-based uh, carbon sequestration? And can we, through the way we purchase our carbon uh, offsetting and the way we reduce our footprint, can we try and uh, deliberately not just transfer our revenues into African projects that are taking people out of poverty, 
that are part of Africa's own climate resilience and, and food security, but also encourage other carbon purchases to carbon offset purchases to do the same. So we're constantly trying to crowd people in, create collective action around our initiatives. Yeah, I love the energy. There's two things that I'm I'm sensing here, and I wanna I wanna explore both of these with you. One is you in relation to that portfolio company and how you align and make things happen there. And then how do you as a company then engage with that ecosystem and nudge things in the in the right direction? So I think um, in relation to the first, um, you know, very important uh, part of the process was to be able to define as a shareholder uh, what matters, not just to define it with executives, but to really bake that in to the ongoing interaction and communication, the signaling, and even the compensation and reward structures between shareholders and executives in the businesses around the fact that having a good social impact matters. It matters in the same way as creating financial value matters. We have chosen not to treat it as a trade-off. We see it as something that can be mutually beneficial, uh, that can be achieved simultaneously. And we continue to define and signal and agree with our executives a model where where both matter. Is it mainly through the incentive side that things can, can align? Because you're at the end of the day, you're a shareholder, but you're not the management team, right? Absolutely. Of that company. I think, I mean, that's definitely an important component of it. Um, that definitely is key to driving certain kinds of behavior in organizations. But it doesn't really start there. It starts with leadership and leadership values and an alignment around, you know, who are the leaders of our organizations and what what do they feel is important Um in terms of what they wake up in the morning to achieve, uh, the legacy they want to leave, um, and how they want to lead their organizations. And so I think um, we talk about our success as a shareholder dependent on the A teams that we have in our executive teams. But how you define an A team is not just about their ability to make tons of money. You know, an A team is a, is a leadership team that can really translate you know, the kind of leadership we need uh, of businesses in this century and, um, you know, which is leaders that understand the role of business in society and what it takes for businesses to, to create enterprise value that is, that is shared, shared with all the stakeholders uh, in the business. And so for us, those leadership attributes and the leadership culture of our executives is, is key. Then, of course, um, you know, how compensation and reward works and how business performance is defined. Uh, what is, you know, what is affirmed, what is celebrated in the business's performance um, become very important ways in which as an investor and a shareholder group, you're able to drive these kinds of changes in business culture uh, and the right kind of behaviors in the business um, around what it pursues, what business it does and how it does it. Um, it's easier. It's easier if you control the firm, right, as opposed to being uh, a ten percent shareholder. Yeah, I mean, I think that's we're very cognizant of that as an as a major advantage. Um, it's different in a listed uh, environment, um, but I do think that you know increasingly there are even institutional uh, investors, pension funds, and others that are starting to take a stronger view and. And I think um, that that will have a very big impact on on the way. Um, businesses and, and financial institutions behave. So I, I think that's all a really important trend, um, an important lever. 
you know, we also don't just sit and sort of expect others to deliver. Um, I think that's also part of our culture. You mentioned rolling up our sleeves and we try and wherever we can partner with our businesses around their success. Um, and, and that includes partnering with their success uh, in, in optimizing the impact, the positive impact they can make in the world. Um, and that can take many forms. We can just be a, a, a trusted thought partner. We can combine the efforts of different businesses across our group. We can bring in uh, resources and, and deploy some of our shareholder resources to co-invest with our businesses. And, and one of the, the things that I think we have explored quite successfully over this last decade is, is, is blended financing approaches to solving some of the problems. So and many of the, the, the market failures we're trying to address or even the market opportunities we're trying to create or the social systems that are failing or, or government that needs support in a particular area requires a blend of kinds of finance um, and a blend of kinds of capabilities as well. You need to combine, you know, grant and, and sort of patient uh, money or grant money to just get a market operating to a point where it can sort of sustain its own momentum. Or, you know, you, you can apply investment principles to social problems. We created one of the first social impact bonds around our youth employment work in South Africa. Um, and, and, you know, so, so I think combining um, the capabilities and models from commercial business but deeply also respecting the role of the state, uh, the role of the state and public institutions and understanding that we also need to um, support and augment and, um, and strengthen the role that, that governments play uh, in, our, in our economies and society. So we kind of work across all of them, and I think that's worked well. Yeah. And so the various companies that you're, you have in your portfolio there, you've given us a glimpse of how you're able to align things with those individual management teams. What about these respective companies then um, being able to change that marketplace, that ecosystem, the, the whole landscape in which they operate? Do you focus more on having these individual companies go out there and try to nudge their respective industries? Do you put these different organizations together and let them sort of aggregate their strength and, and change things in a, in a different way? How does that look? I think all of the above, um, because I think uh, one of the, the principles that I think we would apply is that um, there's no one solution. You know, the, the key is to, is, to, is to really understand and think about what it is you're trying to change in a particular market or a particular system. And then really to, you know, to, to develop a proper strategy and design the right solutions. Um, sometimes uh, examples have included um, Yes, our businesses sort of leading industry initiatives uh, where you, you need a whole industry to move together on something. In, in other cases, it might be we, you know, okay, we'll create the solutions, but we will almost white label it so we won't make it proprietary and we won't brand it so that others can come in and almost treat it like a shared service um, that can solve a problem at a, at a, at a broader level. Sometimes the, the partnership is not with other industry, but with government, uh, with government and other social actors where, you know, we would be the private sector component or we would bring in the private sector component to, to a, a, a solution that actually needs 
government, the private sector, and or you know other social NGOs and things to act in concert on a particular problem. I could give you an example from the early childhood development uh, area or from youth employment where we've really done that. You know, really orchestrated. Um, you know, where, where a business can can just put the effort in and use its leadership capital really and its networks and its resources to be the orchestrator of, of different partners. Um, but it requires a particularly low ego approach, right? You can't brand everything. And that's that's a very unusual behavior for business, you know. Um, there's a kind of avoidance of, of collaboration, um, you know, other than in sort of, you know, kind of just, you know, pretty PR sort of words. But this is the hard work that actually solving some of these big problems we have requires, right? I mean, we cannot tackle decarbonization. We cannot tackle inequality. We cannot tackle, uh, you know, barriers in, in the education system or the labor market. We can't tackle these things at an individual level of a firm. These require much more systematic and programmatic collective action. And I don't want to create the picture that any of this is easy. All of this is really, really hard. And we have successes and we have failures. Um, to be honest, as with anything with an entrepreneurial business, right, um, you've got to try new things. You've got to, you know, make some mistakes, pivot, you know, keep going. The important thing is to feel like these goals are really important. They're as important as our EBITDA. And therefore, we have to just keep going at them and find the right way find the right way to do them. And, and that varies uh, a lot through our businesses. I mean, sometimes it's just create a new product or service. But um, we're really in challenge of collective action. It's, a, it's, it's the big one, I think. I, I could not agree with you more. The, uh, one of the big topics these days, you touched on carb- decarbonization, but also the food systems and agriculture and the impact that that has. I think that's come up in sort of public discourse a great deal over the last three to five years, you guys being, you know, running a, a huge uh, restaurant chain, what are the opportunities there, for instance, in terms of your, you, you touched on procurement, what are the opportunities there? Well, I mean, there are so many uh, opportunities and uh, and necessities, in a sense, on the African continent around, around how um, we can both grow you know, grow the food, uh, the agricultural and agri-processing industries, um, which which will inevitably be a huge part of Africa's sort of growth over the next uh, decades. But grow them in a way that isn't that that kind of works for export, taking into account, on the one hand, that we we need new regenerative food systems. We we need to deal with the fact that that there's a push towards local buying of food in the global north. But on the other hand, we need to make a compelling case for still buying um, agricultural products out of out of Africa as part of a sort of global inclusive economy. But then we need to make that agriculture work uh, for food security for Africans as well. And I think that um, this is a classic case of, you know, where you need to think about it as an ecosystem and, and not, uh, you know, not a single procurement activity. So, you know, if, if going back to the example of um, the smallholder farmers, you know, that are, that are in, in some of our value chains or the communities that live adjacent to the conservation areas of and beyond, right, who might benefit from and be contributors to 
the new economies that will be the new agroforestry economies that will grow around the reforestation areas that are needed for carbon sequestration. These are all new opportunity zones. And, you know, we need to be part of the solution of, of developing those, of nurturing those new markets, because they will not just be the solutions that the world needs um, in respect of decarbonization, but also can be the, the base for African inclusive economies going forward. We have, a you know, uh, on, on the other end of the spectrum, our wine business in Cape Town called Spear. And uh, I mean, that business has uh, for a long time now really been a pioneer in regenerative agriculture. Um, and, um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, co a combination of experimenting with the solutions we need and then scaling those solutions in partnership with communities uh, ac across, across the African continent. It sounds like there's also a lot of opportunity for sort of uh, sharing of insight between the different portfolio companies that you have, right? Uh, on the employability side, on the agricultural side, they all sort of touch on these different uh, facets to some extent. That's exactly right. And in fact, I mean, you know, you asked the question earlier, and I think it's important to say each business really has found their own sweet spots, their own, the, the, the areas of, of impact or contribution that make the most sense for their business in their context and their market. Um, and obviously that differs in different geographies, it, it differs in different sectors, uh, and even in different parts of their value chain. Um, and so on the one hand, um, the, the, the problems and solutions are very specific to the businesses and, uh, and, and the business that they're in. But on the other hand, there's no doubt that there's a huge opportunity for cross-learning, sharing um, across our, our own investee companies and increasingly beyond our own investee companies. So originally when we started our, our youth employment and inclusive employment initiative, created a community of practice amongst the human capital directors in our group, But, you know, within a few years, that had ex extended to an annual conference of over 300 leaders from business, all congregating to have a community of practice around best practices around inclusive employment. And, you know, so that, that, uh, that sort of principle of, of building and sharing capabilities and solutions, I think, is an, a really important one. I think that... Um, We will increasingly be doing that around um, inclusive carbon solutions um, as well as reduction strategies uh, and, you know, and, and other forms of, of impact sourcing. Another area where, where we're really focusing and doubling down is, is trying to create, um, you know, expand this practice of procuring in an inclusive way. Excellent. So do the, the chief executives of the, your investee companies, your portfolio companies, do they engage with each other? Do the, um, the people heading up sustainability with each one of these companies, do they sort of regularly engage with each other and share knowledge? Not in a forced way, but it happens organically all the time. So it's a community available to each other and they'll interface and learn from each other or or approach each other for help, you know, on a needs basis, because there are, they will know about what each other are doing and there will, there will always be opportunity to reach out, learn from, but no, but not sort of in a forced way. And I think that's important. 
I don't really believe and I, I don't think we believe in sort of, you know, partnerships aren't valuable unless you're trying to get something done together. And ideally get something done together that either you couldn't get done by yourself or that will create a multiplier because you're doing it together. And if it doesn't tick one of those boxes, like don't do it, right? It just takes time and effort. You know, we sometimes overdo collaboration at one level of the sort of talking collaboration and we sort of don't do enough of real programmatic collaboration that has multipliers. And so we try and sort of create as much opportunity as we can for our businesses to work together when it makes sense to achieve something more. I imagine there's a lot of insight that you currently have uh, being someone who's building businesses in a, in a sustainable way. There's a lot of insight you have that would probably be incredibly useful for social entrepreneurs, for people who are trying to launch ventures in a way that isn't just about the, the for-profit bottom line, but has a broader agenda. Yeah, I mean, you know, because we're kind of low ego, we, 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 we don't sort of assume that everybody's going to, you know, um, feel like we have a lot to say. But on the other hand, uh, we have increasingly been finding that other businesses have been approaching us, other investment houses have been approaching us, and we've been invited to participate in, in leadership forums because I think we have a particular way of operating that people feel is um, to be, you know, to be replicated. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you got into all of this. So how did you end up where you are today? Because I've had five careers. Um, Excellent. I uh, started out as, an, an, as a documentary filmmaker and an anti-apartheid activist. Um, I transitioned into regulation um, and sort of government and broadcasting and ICTs and deployment of ICTs in education and um, in the first uh, democratic government in South Africa. And then I uh, transitioned into broadcast management. So learned about business um, in, in the media, then started a management consulting business and really focused on uh, leadership engagement and organizational transformation change. Um, in, in all of this work, um, the common thread has always been working at the intersection between different stakeholders to drive large scale system change and um, always sort of understanding how to do that from different parts of the system. So have done that from government, from the government side, have done that in the social sector and was really, you know, excited to join Yellowwoods about 12 years ago because they had just reset that business purpose that I mentioned at the beginning. And I thought, I can see that business is a tremendously important platform for drive the change we need and that if we can you know be a different kind of business and and grow businesses in a way that really is a catalyst for positive change then that would be a very exciting demonstration effect for the world so with that small ambition i i i, I kind of lent in and have been here ever since when you were doing your you when you were doing your media studies at nyu you didn't think uh you're going to be here uh running a, a a global investment firm with portfolio companies in different sectors. I did not think that, no. Um, but I, but I was already a, an entrepreneur. Um, I was a producer, and every film project was a bootstrap. And I, you know, had to learn to manage manage the books and sort of return to conflicts 
venture capital in film. So, so you know, I've always, I've kind of learned about, learned about business through doing it, but um, no, I never imagined where I would be today. And, and I think um, that's the way of the world now. I think we just have to find, you know, find the place where we can, um, you know, make the change we want to make. And business is that for me. Excellent. A key takeaway for our audience before we uh, part ways today, what's that key thing you'd love for them to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Well, I think, you know, the one that I will always say is none of this, you know, we can only do things together. Like we need a lot of collective and quite programmatic collective action. So the more we can think together, the better. Um, and that includes as businesses and as countries, um, you know, and that is going to take a lot of change. And we, we all have to be up for that. We all have to be up for a lot of change. Excellent. I love it. Perfect. Well, Nicola, thank you so very much for joining us today on the Do One Better podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Perfect. And that's a wrap. You've been listening to my interview with Nicola Golumbic, Executive Director of Yellowwoods. Please click that subscribe button if you haven't already. Please share widely with your friends and family. And do leave us a review if you enjoy the show. Thanks so much, and I'll catch you next week.